0: Every child knows that that a couple has problems. You're not going to hide problems from your children. But what they need to see is that you solve your problems in a biblical fashion. That when dad yells at mom or mom yells at dad, they ask each other to forgive them. They let the word of God deal with them and they are responsive to that. You see, this way they will be prepared to leave and cleave because they have seen your example.
1: Hello, welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is our teacher. Now, before you get any funny ideas about what Pastor Steve is teaching, let me make something clear, and you'll get a more thorough explanation as our class goes on. Pastor Steve is not advocating husbands and wives yelling at each other, but it does happen and it's important that our children see how we deal with our disagreements, especially our strong disagreements. Because someday they will be married. And if they don't have our example of how to deal with conflict, they will be poorly equipped to deal with their own inevitable marriage conflicts. Yes, it's distressing for youngsters to see their parents having disagreements. But if you handle your disagreements in a godly fashion, it is a great teaching moment. Today, Pastor Steve is concluding his message on the basics of the biblical family. We are early on in our Biblical Family series, and we hope you can stay with us for the entire series. Verse by Verse Ministries is an outgrowth of Pastor Steve's more than 25 years of expository teaching at Lakeside. Later in the program, we'll tell you how you can get in touch with us. But now, let's get ready for class to begin. Pastor Steve is about to provide us with a quick review from last week of some ways that you can tell whether or not you... As a married couple, have followed the biblical instruction to leave your parents and cleave to your spouse.
0: Now, how can you tell if you have not separated from your parents? If you have not left them in the biblical sense, how can you tell? Let me give you some, some helpful points. And you know what? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't even matter. I'll, I'll tell you something. You could even be emotionally tied to a parent or uh, a father or mother who's dead. That's right. So don't think, well, this is just for the young people. No, it's for everybody. First of all, how can you tell when you are more concerned about your parents' opinions and ideas than you are your spouse? When that matters more to you what mom and dad think than what your husband or wife thinks, then you have not left father and mother. Secondly, when you are still emotionally tied to your parents, maybe even through bad attitudes that never were resolved. If they're alive, you need to go and resolve them. There are some people who are just tied. They are emotionally tied. We use the expression, never cut the apron strings. Third way you can know, when your parents' concerns come before your spouse, what your parents want is more important than what your husband or wife wants. Then you've not left. Another way you can know, when pleasing mom and dad is more important than pleasing your spouse, you want to please them so bad. It really doesn't matter what your, what your spouse says. You just want to please your spouse, uh, please your mom and dad. And this is one that can be very convicting. When you enjoy the companionship of your parents over your spouse, that one can hurt. When you, re- you enjoy, I'm not saying you should enjoy getting together with them, but when you enjoy uh, getting together with them more than you enjoy getting together with your husband or wife, then you've not left your father and your mother. The best thing that parents can do for their children is just prepare them to leave. Prepare them to cleave. Don't center life around your child. I think that Christian families are so guilty about this. We never do anything... uh, Or let me put it in a positive way. We always do everything together as a family. And I say, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't always do everything together as a family. When do you leave the children and do something together as a couple? And I want to say to, to to young people here, you can help your parents by by saying, "You go out tonight. We'll take care of everything." Now, would that be refreshing? The best thing that a child can can do for his parents is say, "We'll take care of things. We want you to get away. We want you to go out tonight. We want even even if you can't afford it, just go to the mall. Just be together, hold hands, and and walk through the mall. We'll take care of the dishes." We'll take care of things. See, parents, prepare them to leave and cleave. Don't. If you center life around the child, you will cripple him emotionally. And there are many Christians who have done that to their children, where their children can't function apart from calling mom and dad every day. Another thing you can do is give your children the example that they, they need of a mom and dad who love each other and a mom and dad who show their children how they solve their problems. Every child knows that a, that a couple has problems. You're not going to hide problems from your children. But what they need to see is that you solve your problems in a biblical fashion. That when dad yells at mom or mom yells at dad, they ask each other to forgive them. They let the word of God deal with them and they they are responsive to that. You see, this way they will be prepared to leave and cleave because they have seen your example. And so that that young man who gets married now knows how to lead his wife because he's seen his father lead his mother. And he knows how to make decisions for himself because he he has seen his parents make decisions. And he knows how to, uh, uh, to let his wife be his helper, not his mother anymore. And and the daughter, that young lady, now has seen an example, so she does not depend upon her parents for guidance and for help and for companionship anymore. Now it's on her husband. You know, comedians often make jokes about their mother-in-law jokes, of which I never have a mother in law joke. <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> You know why I think comedians do that? Because that's the only safe relationship that they can joke about. The, re- the problems are usually not between a, a mother-in-law. Conflicts often arise between a mother holding on to, with one arm of her son and the wife holding on to another arm and pulling this young man apart. And I think it's just too close to home for them to make mother jokes They make mother-in-law jokes. That's not where the problem usually lies. And a husband needs to be clear that his new relationship is the priority, that relationship with his spouse. As parents, we need to view our children as on loan to us, not permanently. It's just temporary that they're in our home, and, and our job is to prepare them for life outside the home to leave and enter a permanent relationship. Now, let me ask you a very penetrating question. If you didn't have children, I say this to all the married couples, especially those who have children, if you didn't have children, what kind of a life would you have with your spouse? If you didn't have children, what kind of a relationship with, you, with your spouse would you have? Is it the only thing that keeps you together? These children ought not to be. Ought not to be. Children didn't come with the package of Eve. I mean, they came later on. Adam was alone. He needed a woman. He didn't need a child. Children are a blessing. But that's not what his need was. Are children the only things that that you have in common? Think about that. Are they the only things that you have to talk about? I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about them when you're alone. But if that's the only thing that you have to talk about, then something is wrong. If your relationship is centered around your children, you know what happens after your children are gone? You realize we have no relationship. You realize, who are you? I, I don't know you. I've been married to you for 20, 25 years, and now the children have left, and I see how empty it is. We don't have a relationship. That's wrong. You need to leave and cleave, cultivate that deep relationship with one another, and we will discuss in future weeks how to do that. Now, notice, not only does God say to leave in Genesis two twenty four, he says that they are to leave father and mother, but they are to cleave to one another. A man is to now cleave to his wife. What does it mean? Well, regardless of what our society says, marriage is to be a permanent relationship. That truth is in here. I don't think that's the major truth. The major truth is you leave the temporary relationship of father and mother to a permanent one. But that permanency is, is here. Our society says that you don't need to stay together. God says you do. It is a permanent relationship. When you get married, you enter a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a contract that you are staying with this person through the best of times and through the worst of times. It is a contract. God calls it a covenant covenant. A covenant. Now, whatever happened to the vows of cleaving to one another? Whatever happened to to that? Couples say these vows, and uh, you know what? They, They say it, but they really don't mean it. I'll tell you what they mean. They may say the words of a vow that for better or for worse, you know, through riches and poverty and so forth, but what they really mean is something like this. Until someone better comes along, or I'll stay married as long as I have feelings for you. Or I'll stay with you if you submit to me. Or I'll stay with you if you satisfy me sexually. Or I'll stay with you if you treat me well. But as soon as these things stop, as soon as I don't have my needs met anymore, then I will say that I don't love you. and I don't want to be together. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, Jesus interpreted this right after stating... Right, You don't need to turn there. But right after stating this, this verse, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, then he added, he said, Consequently, they are no more two but, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. That was his interpretation of this. That the cleaving aspect meant permanency. Let no man separate. You see, the only way... A marriage works is for you to work at it. It is not natural. And that means that you are committed to solving your problems in a biblical fashion. Now, let me just tell you something uh, that you must not use as an excuse. Don't ever say, We're not compatible. We're not compatible. Because I've got news for you there is no couple that I know that's naturally compatible. I'm not naturally compatible with my wife. You know why? We're sinners. Sinners are not compatible. They have to work at it. We, no one here is naturally compatible with their spouse. So when you say, well, oh, we're not compatible anymore. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. Of course you're not compatible. You're sinners who left to yourself want your own way and you're selfish. That's why you are committed to solving. You need to be committed to solving your problems biblically. If you don't, you've got two self-centered people going at each other. And of course they're going to say we're not compatible. What they really, um, they may not realize this, but what they're really saying is we're in sin and we're going to stay in sin. That's why we're not compatible. Of course you're not compatible. So I just want to take every excuse away from you.
1: Not compatible? I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard someone give that as an excuse for ending a marriage. Like Pastor Steve said, no two people are really compatible. Some come closer than others, but we all have to make adjustments to live in harmony with each other. Let's take a quick break to introduce ourselves. You're listening to Verse by Verse. It's a radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're ever in Clearwater on a Sunday morning, or if you live in the area and need a church home, we would love to meet you. We're at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That's halfway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beach. In addition, Lakeside has one of the finest Christian schools around. The school has been in operation now for over 30 years. You can check that out at lakesidechristianschool.org. We have grades K-5 through 12. The website again is lakesidechristianschool.org. Verse by Verse has been on the air for quite a while now. Please pray that the Lord will continue to provide the means necessary to continue this radio ministry. If you would like to listen to this program again or recommend it to a friend, it is available for listening online at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Now let's return to the classroom. Pastor Steve has another basic truth of marriage to share with us, and it's from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24.
0: And that brings us to the next basic truth about marriage. I said there were three. Number one, marriage is good, marriage is permanent. The third truth is marriage is damaged by sin. By sin. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 again. The last phrase says, And they shall become one flesh. The reason a man cleaves to his wife is because they are one. Marriage makes them one. not sexual union. Marriage makes them one. Now, at the most elementary level, this is referring to the physical union of a a man and a woman who are married. But it goes way beyond that. Way beyond that. Together, a husband and wife form a team. They complete each other. They now share everything. Their bodies, their possessions, their problems, their successes, their failures, their ambitions... They become a team working together. In, in God's way of math, one plus one equals one in terms of a marriage. They don't operate independent of each other. They are fused into one. There is a unity that did not exist before they were married. By, op- by operating as one, I want you to understand, that's, that's the design. But it takes work. And it is not an easy thing to achieve. And the basic thing that, that always breaks this up is sin. It's sin. Notice verse 25. This is, this is so critical that you grasp this. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Before sin entered the lives of Adam and Eve, they had nothing to hide from each other. They were open. Physically, they were open to each other. Emotionally, in every other way, they were totally transparent to the point of being naked and they were not ashamed. Uh, I just, just as a footnote here, this is not an endorsement for public nudity. As some, as, I better watch what I, what I say concerning kind of people I, I name. Uh, some people say, and you know why we know this is not an endorsement for public nudity? There was no public. They were the only ones there. That's why. I just thought you ought to know about that. Nobody else was around. So don't go thinking this justifies public nudity. There was no public. But notice what sin did to them. After they fell, if you turn over to chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin. Coverings. Now usually when we read this, all that we're conditioned to think about is aha, the blood God was saying about the blood I don 't think that's the major point here to, to grab hold of. The point is as soon as they became sinners, they tried to cover up and they did cover up from each other. Not only did they hide from God and it says that in verse eight that they hid from God, but now they were hiding from each other. Before they were open, they were honest, they were transparent. Now they began to hide from each other. You see that oneness and openness and sharing they had experienced before sin was destroyed. And I want you to know that's the same thing today. Sin is still the one thing that prevents couples from experiencing oneness. It is always sin. It is always sin. The only thing that keeps you from having a wonderful marriage is sin. Is sin. Now there's no good communication. Now there's no openness. In fact, it was Eve, who, it was Adam who said, "The woman you gave me." He's, he's shifting the blame, and that's what couples do today. If I didn't have this woman, I'd have a successful marriage. If I didn't have this husband, I could get along well. It is sin that wrecks marriages. Understand that. Therefore, the answer is not secular counseling. Not other things, not, it, is, it is dealing with sin. It could be pride, it could be anger, it could be selfishness, it could be lack of gratitude, it could be impatience, it could be thoughtlessness, improper speech, it could be stubbornness. You can go on and on. It's sin. And that's why you will never have a healthy relationship with your spouse until you have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ addresses the sin problem in our lives. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then what he does is He, when you trust him as the only way to heaven, he brings you into a relationship with God. You become a new creature in Christ, which doesn't mean all your problems are over. It just means that now you have the capacity to have victory over sin. And I didn't say deliverance. I said victory. There's no such thing as, as one day you wake up and there's no temptation and there's no problems. It is victory. It is day by day, moment by moment victory. Now you can experience marital oneness because you are not a slave to your, to your emotions anymore. You're not a slave to your sin problem. And Christians need to hear that too because some of us have gotten off target and off base in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time in prayer. And we wonder why we have problems with our marriage. It's because you're not enjoying the the relationship with Christ and you're not dealing with your sin. You're not confessing it. You're not going to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And if that's the case, you're not going to be sensitive and and, uh, thoughtful to your spouse. Now, as we bring this to a close, don't close your mind yet. If you have to make some changes in your marriage, and these are not the kind of messages that you're just going to be able to go from here and go out to lunch or go home and watch uh, uh, the basketball playoffs or whatever else is on, say, oh, that's nice. No, you have to do something about this. You have to. If you have to make some changes in your marriage, then this week, and I address the men now who are the leaders of the home, the men need to take the lead and discuss these things with your wife may not be appropriate just after church, but sometime. Not the wives, although uh, she may want to be saying, yes, let's do something, let's talk about this. But men, you need to take the lead here. And you you may need to make a number of adjustments. Do you need to adjust your thinking about companionship? Are you spending time together? Do you listen to your wife? Wives, do you listen to your husband? Do you really hear them? Are you so wrapped up in your children's education and world that you've forgotten your spouse? Do you need to make an adjustment about leaving your parents? Say, but my parents may get hurt. They might get hurt. Yes, they might get hurt. But you have to obey the Bible. You can say things in a gracious way. Are you emotionally still tied to them? If you are, then you need to stop that. You need to cleave to your spouse. Are you committed to to permanency no matter what happens? That divorce is not an option. We know we're not compatible. That's why we need the Bible. We need you, Lord, desperately. Because we're not compatible. We're sinners. You need to repent of a specific sin or maybe a number of sins that you have allowed to destroy your oneness. If that's the case, don't just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Then you go to your spouse and you say, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me and tell them how you've sinned against them. And and, and don't do one of these things, if I've sinned against you. Cut that word, if, out. I hear so many people, if I have done anything wrong, don't go to your spouse if you have that attitude. That's not asking forgiveness. If I've offended you, you know if you have. You don't have to say, if I have. What what you mean by that is, let's just patch up everything so it's all right. But I'm not going to deal with my guilt and I'm not going to change anything. That's not repentance. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then apart from marriage and beyond that, you need to know him to have the forgiveness of your sins. And I invite you to come to Christ, to trust him as the only way to heaven. But I I trust and I pray, and this has been a great burden to me, that you will discuss these things and make adjustments as the Spirit of God applies all of this to our lives.
1: Thanks for that message, Pastor Steve. In this day of what I call serial polygamy and the deception and treachery that goes with it, we desperately need a change of attitude toward our marriage vows. And the Lord Jesus Christ will enable us to make those changes as we trust Him for salvation and for guidance in our thoughts, speech, and decisions. Thanks for listening today. If you missed part of the program or would like to make it available to a friend or you would just like to hear it again, you can do that at our website versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or sign up for our free podcasting service. Look around the site, read the information about Verse by Verse Ministries and about Pastor Steve. You might also like to subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. All that and more is at versebyverseradio.org Today's class was the third and final part of Pastor Steve's message on the basics of the biblical family. It's the first of a series of messages covering many aspects of the biblical family. We hope you can join us for all of them. Now to hear this first message of the series in its entirety, please call us. The number is 727-239-0306. You can leave your name and a telephone number. We'll return your call during weekday office hours. This will give you the opportunity to order an audio CD. That's 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry. We depend upon the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. We hope you can be with us again tomorrow for the start of Pastor Steve's message on effective communication. I'm Peter Silsap. Until then, may God bless you richly.